You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. sitting there thinking to myself, how many, how many of you would be honest enough to say you've probably had too much coffee this morning? <laughs> and how many of you are still drinking it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have a problem. Welcome to the club. You're like, man, this, I'm feeling this coffee a little too much, but I'm just going to keep going this morning. Um, anyways, welcome to the Father's House um, Church. We're so glad to have you guys this morning if you're tuning in online Welcome as well. How many of you know God can minister to people through the camera as well? We would like you here in person though, amen? So anyways, our vision here is that we are a healthy home for the region. And what we simply mean by that is we want you to be fully alive in Christ. We want to see every bondage that you're struggling with be broken off of your life this side of heaven. Amen? One of my, my deepest desires is to not, excuse me, one of my deepest desires is to see the church just break out of every dysfunction and stronghold and everything that's holding you back before you get to heaven. Amen? And especially, um, man, especially, uh, let me just say like this, it's, it's, it just, it like just really breaks my heart to see people who've been saved for so long that are still walking in brokenness and bondage and immaturity. It's like, God, that is not the desire of the Lord. So we want to see us grow up into God. Amen? Amen. Not just make church something we just come to or something, uh, a, f- a formula or robotic, but something where we actually come and be transformed. Um, so, so good. Um, man, so good. It's Thanksgiving season, and I'm not talking about Thanksgiving. <laughs> we will have a time of intercessory prayer right after this service for the Cowboys. <laughs> we need everybody. <laughs> we need every prayer warrior. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. Holy Ghost. Um, so, anyways, uh, I've been preaching a very hot topic, if you will. Uh, about the church, uh, we've been talking about the m- money and the church. How many of you know that's a very hot topic to talk about? How many of you know most pastors would rather have guest speakers come in to talk about this subject, right? And as I was planning a two-week message, the Lord was like, hey, actually you're doing that out of insecurity of what people are going to think, so don't ever, be, uh, don't ever apologize for preaching the word and take your time because God has a lot to say about it actually. He has a whole lot to say about it. So I'm gonna take it a little step further today. For a lot of you, this might be some elementary stuff. You have no problem with this. Um, you have no problem with giving. You have no problem with sowing. Uh, this is something elementary to you, but something we like to do um, is not check out. All right, so look at your neighbor and say, don't check out. So a practice we like to practice around here is saying things out loud. So let's just say this out loud. Say, but what else could I know? Ready, Go. Awesome, praise the Lord. How many of you know the word of God is living and active? Amen. So every time we read and hear the scripture, it is alive. 
and well, and God has something he wants to impart to you today, amen? Um, so, real quickly, I did something a little different. Can we put the QR code up on the screen? I'm the least tech person probably ever. <laughs> Maybe not ever, I know some of you. Um, but, so anyways, if you want to, you can find my notes on the Bible app. So if you just click on this QR code, if you get your phones out, if you wanna follow along on your phone, uh, if you have a Bible and take notes, good for you as well. But I know a lot of people, all you brought with you into this sanctuary was your phone. <laughs> Maybe not even your wallet, okay? So if you want to, you can follow along. Hopefully, uh, somebody let me know if this works. It works. Come on, somebody. Praise God, Pastor Daryl, and help me out. Uh, man, honestly, um, we would not even be close to where we are today with so much that has changed over the years without Pastor Daryl. I remember we started with a, a, come on, give it up for him. We started with a, an, a, a cell phone on a tripod in the middle of the front of the sanctuary. That was our live stream. And then sometimes I wouldn't set it up right and it would be turned the wrong way, like the whole service. <laughs> and it was just the, the audio from the phone and I would just start it. I would go to it and like start it real quick and then I'd walk up and preach. <laughs> so praise God, we have a, we've come a little ways from then, amen. And we're still, still growing, going further, amen. So let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for your word will go forth and not return void. God, I thank you this morning, God, that you are giving us an opportunity to be, maybe to be confronted with some things that we believe are our own opinions, Father. But Lord, I just thank you that this morning is an opportunity for us to step into a healthy understanding of finances, a healthy understanding of the church, God, a healthy understanding of money and these different things, God, that have been misused for a long time. So Father, I just thank you this morning for grace God, to just minister how you would like me to. And Father, I just pray for your people to have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's lift out our hands in front of us like this quickly. Let's just say this. Jesus, I receive anything that's from you. And anything else, I don't receive it. Hey, man, that's a good one, isn't it? Awesome. So, uh, last week, we're... We talked about uh, tithing and kind of tackled the subject of um, whether or not it's, it was a law requirement. And since the laws passed away, is, has tithing passed away? And I kind of brought up this point that it's no longer a requirement, but it is a principle. Say principle. And I think pastors for the longest time are scared to tell you that, thinking that you won't give, thinking that you won't do it. And I think we, we like to have control or people have in the past like to have control and try to say, well, you, you better or else. Or we, we misuse scriptures, to be honest, like in Malachi when it says that if, if you don't give that you will, um, excuse me, um, it says, you know, you've robbed God. And you like to get up here and manipulate and say, are you going to rob God? <laughs> and get you just to give out of fear of punishment. How many of you know, hmm, in the New Testament, the Bible would say that there's no fear in love. So fear is a terrible motivator, amen? Guilt is a terrible motivator, amen? Shame is a terrible motivator, 
And I've even heard testimonies from people who were tithing their whole life out of fear and out of requirement, and they never saw breakthrough in their finances. But when they understood that they could voluntarily give God out of grace, that they saw breakthrough. Amen? Because it's not something that God is trying to twist your arm. So we talked about how tithing has made it through the law as a principle. It is a principle that uh, our staff um, we all practice, our elders practice, me and my wife practice tithes and offerings. This is something from the top down that we do personally. It's something that I've done personally since my first Sunday at this church. I was two days out of jail. How many of you know I didn't have very much money? <laughs> and I, I worked for a friend of mine um, doing some screen printing, getting paid about $100 a week. But I grew up with this understanding of sowing and reaping and giving to God. And I remember coming to this church and I would pay my little $8. <laughs> and I would. And it wasn't because someone uh, twisted my arm and it wasn't because I felt guilty and ashamed. It was because I understood that it was a voluntarily act of gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord. I came to this church. I supported my pastor. I supported what was going on and I sowed into the ground. Amen? And I'm just gonna tell you guys, I was a one-month Christian and understood this elementary understanding and part of the New Testament, which is simply called generosity. Generosity is to mark every New Testament believer. Amen? So this week, uh, I'm gonna answer some simple questions that some people like, let's just be honest, like some people uh, ask questions like, well, what do pastors even do? All they do is preach on Sundays, right? Because we just do nothing all week long. Me and Pastor Daryl just playing Fortnite, you know, just eating cheeseburgers and, you know, just running around, just having, just, just blowing money. That's what we do, right? But people have that idea. I mean, if you're, you don't have to raise your hand, but you've even thought that yourself. Like, why do pastors get paid? You know, what, what's their real job? Let's just be real. And it would be even take it even more real. A lot of you have been offended by it. Not, maybe not in this room, but just people in general. Maybe you know someone who's offended by it. And it's like, man, I, they, they even, why, should we, why should they get paid? And I just simply want to answer the question this morning. Should pastors be paid and how well should they be paid, right? Is that a question we've all thought of? What's too much? What's appropriate? What's not appropriate? Amen? So the Bible actually has something to say. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 14. It's just Paul speaking the apostle. He said, or is it only Barnabas and I who have worked to support ourselves? Paul was an apostle who was also a tent maker. He was a missionary, one of the first missionaries. He says, what soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion or does the law say the same thing? For the law of Moses says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Somebody say, that's me. Yes, it was written for us so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. Since we have planted, pay attention to this, since we have planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? Right? He's just kind of building a case for, he's saying, hey, 
This is, this is what God's design is set up here. It says, if you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. How many of you know Paul didn't always receive money from every church he went to? He went there as a missionary to start a church. And sometimes he would go to places and he would build tents and he would be a tent maker and he would not ask them for anything. But here he is defending himself and saying, hey, just so you know, we could have. And it's actually God's idea. So check it out. It's quiet in here. But we have never used this right. We would rather put up with anything to be an obstacle to the good news of Christ. Verse 13, don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? Because that was the Old Testament. Do you remember actually in that scripture in Malachi when it says that bring the whole tithe to the storehouse so that there may be what? Meat in my house. What was the meat for? Is God hungry? No, it was because the priests were completely reliant on what was brought there. He was saying that there may be meat, so you would take care of the priest, right? So this is Old Testament, so he's, he's correlating the two. But then he goes on to say, and those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings. Listen, in the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. Okay? And so this is simply put this way. It is God's idea to take care of the pastors of a church. It is the Bible's idea to take care of the pastors of a church. So if that offends you, then you're offended by the Bible. Okay? And I know some people in this room are like, I don't believe the Bible. I completely understand. And it, maybe you struggle with just the validity of Scripture and like, how do we know for sure? Man, I can't, I can't say this enough. There is such a good book and movie called The Case for Christ. If you have not seen that and you're just struggling with skeptical questions about Christianity and just the Word of God, go watch the movie. They did such an awesome job. If you're not a reader, I'm not really a big reader. I don't care to read. I read because I want to grow. I don't read for fun. But how many of you are more of movie people? Y'all are lying. Some of y'all, how many of you like to read? You love it. It's your favorite thing. Oh, fine. Read the book then. It's 500 pages. <laughs> Take you two weeks. <laughs> watch the movie for an hour and 20. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> But it's simply, simply put, it's God's idea to take care of the pastors financially. It is, it's that simple. So don't be offended by something um, that God has desired to do. So next thing is uh, 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Verse 17, elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well. Whoa especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. So he's just saying, hey, by the way, this is a principle to take care of the ministers in the house. So the reality is when people give to the church, that should, what should it go towards? It should go towards to take care of the pastor. Some of you are wondering, well, how do you come up with how much they get paid? It's simply put, there is a rule of thumb, you can Google this if you'd like, of how much they It's normal that churches would take 40 to 50% of the church's income would go towards salaries in the church, all depending on the size of the church and the size of the income. It's all relevant. It all comes down to specific, it's not a case-by-case -case situations. It is that simple, really. But he says that you should not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating. So what it was saying was when they, when they would plow the fields, you're not gonna put a mask on the ox so it cannot eat as it's working so you can save a little bit of the grain. 
He was saying, actually, as the, the ox, if it's not masked and it gets to eat as it's working, it will actually be recharged and replenished and do a better job plowing. You following me? It's saying, in a sense, take care of the ox and let it eat, let it, let it be fed so it can actually be replenished and have energy to be able to plow the ground, to be able to sow, to be able to give back to you, to be able to do what? To give spiritual food to you as a church. Our, our job as pastors from the, from the nursery to the children's church to the youth ministry to whatever it is, is to sow spiritual things. Yeah. To, we're not just giving out goldfish. We're not just handing out uh, uh, alien parties or whatever. We're, we're introducing, we're, we're sowing eternal seeds that will affect kids' eternity and forever. Amen. So he's saying, hey, th th this is what it should go to. The, the building, how many of you know we did not plan to build this building? We just so happened to have it. If I could start over, I would never build a building this size. <laughs> so if somebody, man, this church, this church is huge. That church is real big. It's just where God has us. Amen. And I remember, I remember Pastor Daryl and, um, when Pastor Daryl and Trisha first got here, we were sitting up in the sound booth, and I don't know if you know, but there's 900 seats up top. It's way bigger up there. There's also no air condition or heat, which doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> in the summer, you don't want to be up there, like literally, but you can walk up there to change is 10 degrees. Uh, but I remember we were sitting here, and Pastor Daryl was in the sound booth, and he was like, man, it's just, it doesn't make any sense. Why don't, we just sit, why don't you guys just sell the building? And this was six years ago. I was like, yeah, it makes sense in the natural. And then Trisha says something very wise. She said, yeah, it makes sense until you need it. I thought, wow, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, it makes sense until you need it. Because how many of you know we couldn't rebuild this property inside of city limits with 12 acres and 50,000 square feet for the amount of money that it cost 30 years ago? We are extremely blessed at this church extremely blessed to, to, to be in this place, extremely blessed to, to continue really the, the word of God that the founding pastor Jim Wells had to put the church by the bypass. It was God's word and God's design. So he's saying, hey, don't muzzle an ox. Um, so let me just say this, pastoring is a call, not an occupation. So people who, I, I know people, people who go into pastoring for an occupation were probably never called to begin with. Man, that's, man, I'm 19 years old. What am I gonna do with my life? Man, I see, man, people at the church, man, they just preach on Sundays, they get paid. Shoot, I'm just, I think I'm just gonna be a pastor so I can get some money. You know what, I'm gonna be a youth pastor. That's cake, I just get to hang out with kids. I get to have pizza and video games, go to basketball games, get to preach on Wednesday night. They're not even listening. <laughs> and I get to get paid. <laughs> like, that's what I'm going to do. Man, if that's the heart of pastors, and they probably weren't called. Because the heart of a, a pastor, the heart of someone who's called is never in it for the money. It's something that they cannot live without doing, with or without the money. I remember I would get in trouble working at Colby's serving tables because I just couldn't shut up about Jesus. <laughs> and I was like, I just can't help it. <laughs> it's like, hey, we're busy. Mike, stop talking to customers. <laughs> we got stuff to do. It's a busy time. But, but I remember me, me and my wife, we, we started ministering and making disciples before we were ever getting paid. It wasn't about a paycheck. It was about a call. 
It was about a call on pastors' lives that God, God picks and he designs who's called. Some of you are thinking, well, how do you get called? It's God's design. And if you're not called to full-time ministry or to be in a pulpit, you're not a less than Christian. We don't necessarily need more pastors. We need more believers that can go out into the city and change the sphere of influence that God has placed you in. We need more football coaches. We need more nurses. We need more politicians, amen? We need more judges. We need more prosecuting attorneys. We need people who would judge with righteousness and peace. We need people involved. Jesus was in the world, but not of the world. We need people to be a light in the darkness. Man, you know how much influence you can have over the next generation by being a sports coach? Anybody? Because a lot of those kids won't go to church, but they'll remember their coach. And you have an opportunity to instill godly values and principles and godly character into kids that might never step a foot in the church. I hear so many testimonies of professional athletes who got saved because of their coach, because of a club at school. Amen? Teachers. I love them. It's uh, Laura Murphy. I'll, Laura was getting teacher of the year, like it seemed like all the time for our city. One of the most godly, spirit-filled women that you'll meet who was also getting these awards for being the, that's, that's what Christianity is really about, that you are the best employee at your job, that you are owning the best businesses in this city, that we are the best doctors, the best lawyers, the best nurses. When you step in the room, people notice there's something different and when you came in. Like Ashley Bartley, something different. At the, in the Nick Hughes at where you work at the hospital, there's something different when she came in the room. Something shifted when she came in the room. Something, there's something else. A light came in the room, amen? So, so pastoring is a call, not an occupation. I remember, uh, how many of you have heard of Heidi Baker? Heidi Baker has her doctorate from college and her doctorate in ministry, or excuse me, in college. I mean, super intelligent, very smart, wealthy lady who gave up everything to go to the poorest nation on the earth. To literally go to the, God, where's the poorest people on the earth? She said, God said, Mozambique, Africa. So she, excuse me, she went. It's not about getting into things for money. It's about doing whatever God says, period. God might have, uh, some pastors have a smaller church. Some pastors have a bigger church. It's not about any of that. It's about being where God has placed you. Another scripture, and I think I believe in Luke, Jesus tells them, hey, don't complain about your wages. It's a pretty tough one, right? How many of us, we, we get to that place, right? <laughs> Let's just be honest. It's a godly desire to, to want to increase and to grow. But also, it's never godly to complain and murmur, amen? I remember one day, we were at our house on Davis Street. Glory to God. Our first house had no central air condition and carpet in the bathroom. <laughs> and it wasn't even connected to the floor. Like you could pick it up and just take the whole, it's like they cut it to fit perfectly and you could just move it out of there like a rug. Praise God. <laughs> How many of you know, I started off in jail though, so that's still an upgrade. You know, I was just, the Lord's moving me forward from glory to glory. 
I remember, and I've told this story to a lot of you before, but on me and Maddie's wedding invitations, it said, all you need is love. And that was all we had. Right? And we had this small little house. We paid $400 a month in rent. Glory to God. That's why we stayed there. I understand finances, how this works. I'm like, hey, great. Here's a house. Boom. It's going to be wonderful. First house Carter came to. There was a heater in the middle of the whole house on the floor. And Carter, before school, would get up and, like, get real close to it and just bundle up around it. (laughs) But, But how many of you know we had something called contentment? And that's when I felt first called to the ministry was in that house. And I remember talking to Maddie and saying, hey, what do you want me to do? I'll go work at Century Aluminum. I'll go back to school. We can have more money. We can have a bigger home, whatever you want me to do. And she's like, what do you feel like God's calling you to do? I said, I feel like he's calling me in the ministry. She's like, what does that look like? And I'm like, well, it looks like me paying for ministry school. I continue serving tables. We spend more money and we just trust God. <laughs> and she's like, absolutely, let's do it. <laughs> Young people, find you a spouse who will trust God with you and do whatever God has called you all to do. Amen? And she said, let's do it. And I remember we got to move to another house on Davis Street that had central air conditioning. Come on, somebody. See, some of y'all, are, y'all, aren't, y'all aren't thankful and grateful enough. You're over here looking, looking too far to try to be grateful. <laughs> we'll do a little, never mind, we'll do a little experiment next summer. Turn all the AC off in this whole building. We already got people freaking out in the nursery already. So we fixed it, though. It's okay. But I remember me and Maddie, we got into this moment. We were in on our couch um, on Davis Street, and we kind of moved to a little nicer house. And then we started thinking, well, maybe we'll move. We'll just keep moving to nicer houses and then a nicer house and, and have more money and just keep growing and growing and growing. Then I just had this moment and this thought when I was like, I said, Maddie, what if this is the nicest home we ever have? What if God calls us to the middle of nowhere to start over and, and, and just, and the, I don't know, in the middle of a little country town and start over one day, would we be okay? Would we go? Would we obey the Lord? And me and Maddie had this real sober moment with each other where we were simply like, God, our, our life isn't just built on us getting more things and money. And I'm not saying those are bad, okay? I'm saying God wants to get to your heart. And I was like, we had this real moment where we were just sober-minded and said, Lord, no matter what, if this is the nicest house we ever have, God, no matter what it is, God, we just wanna be where you want us to be. And God, if you call us somewhere, if you call us to Africa, God, if you call us to whatever it may be, God, we just say right now, Lord, we'll do whatever you say. And giving is ultimately about surrender. It's about trust. (laughs) And God will get to your heart usually with your finances. You know why? Because the Bible would say where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the Lord calls some, and he's not calling people into a big money thing. But the Bible does say that you should take care of the pastors, and they should be paid well. 
We have no problem with people, you know, making $75,000 working at a factory, uh, you know, putting a part together, if we'd be honest. And so, if there's something in your heart that's like, I don't like that, then take it up with the Lord. Amen? So, so how should we give? Let's move a little more. Or let me step, take a step back. The church and its finances, I cannot see my watch, bro. Okay, here we go. The church and its finances should be all in relationship to the context of the city and the church that it's in. I do not believe the church, the pastor of a church should be making twice, three times as much as the average person in their church. Some of you might not like that. I don't agree with it. Some of you are actually for it. You're like, I think it's fine. That's okay. I personally just don't like that. I just don't know if I could go start a church in the hood somewhere and try to get all these broke, poor people to give, make me have a $100,000 salary while they all suffer. While I drive a super nice car, trying to, you know what I mean? I just, I, I just, me personally, I just don't like it. I don't believe God's biggest desire is to make me and Maddie the most comfortable we can be. I think his biggest desire is to make me and Maddie the most set apart we could be, the most holy we can be, to be vessels of honor, right, used for his glory. And God knows how much money is too much money for us. You know how you know how much money is too much? You ready? Bill Johnson says it so well. He says, whatever replaces trust. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> and the only thing that will help you. So whatever replaces trust means that when you have this amount of money in your bank, you don't really rely on God no more. And then your money starts to get lower and you start to pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I need you right now. <laughs> and God's like, no, I actually need you to be in this place. It's called trusting me. So figure that out. Maybe you'll get more finance. Because <laughs> God wants to get you to a place like last week when I talked about, he wants you to have an open hand. God, everything in my life belongs to you. It's yours. Every decision I make belongs to you, Lord. Whatever you want to do, it's yours. Period. And God will test you with that, right? So, 12.02, glory to God. Worship's going a little long. I guess we're going to preach a little long too. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to go over three or four things of what the New Testament says about how you should give, okay? All righty. So, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Paul says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So number one, how do you give in the New Testament according to the New Covenant? Freely and from the heart. So this is how God is calling us to give according to the New Testament. When tithes and offerings come around, when there's things and opportunities to sow, he wants you to give freely and from your heart. Completely uh, freely and from your heart, not under pressure or manipulation. I was listening to a pastor that I like to listen to. His name is Pastor Vlad. And he talked about how in the Old Testament, they needed an outward rule or an outward thing to help them, like a requirement, because they did not have an inward leaning of the Holy Spirit. Did you notice when Jesus came on the scene, Jesus didn't give a whole bunch of more rules to follow? And then some people take that to the extreme and say, it's not about following rules and living holy anymore. See, Jesus just said, love God and love people. 
Jesus didn't say a lot about a lot of the rules. He didn't make everything clear. Actually, he would go on to say things like he raised the standard. He would say, actually, if you look at someone with lust, it's adultery now. What was he saying? He's saying in the new covenant, I'm not gonna worry about giving so many requirements because you're gonna have personal relationship with the Holy Spirit and he's gonna lead you and lean into these things that he wants you to do. He's saying you're gonna have to learn how to rely on the Spirit of God and ask God, what do you desire from me? I'm not gonna tell you exactly what to do all the time. I remember there was a season of our lives when at the beginning of the year we would say, God, how much money do you want us to give on top of our tithe this year? As a, as a generosity to you. And the Lord would give me a number because it was easy. He'd say, all right, Mike, 2,000. I'd say, okay, cool. You know what I would do with that 2,000? I would just budget it in. It was pretty easy. <laughs> and then the next year, he's like, double it. And I'm like, okay, Lord, 4,000. And then the next year, he said to me, we're not doing that anymore. I was like, what do you mean? I don't have to give anymore? Oh, great, praise the Lord. No. <laughs> he was like, no, you're just gonna do what I say in the moment. You're gonna learn, how, how many of you know sometimes you gotta set up some boundaries and some disciplines to get you started? But after that, God's saying, hey, now be led completely by the Spirit of God. And he's saying, this, Jesus didn't come to just give you more requirements. He came to put the Spirit inside of you so you would be led by his Spirit and make decisions by his Spirit. So how do you give according to the New Testament? By the Spirit. You pray, decide in your heart, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to tithe? Do you want me to follow 10% to the church? Do you want me? And do what he says. Amen? Not under manipulation, control, or any ungodly pressure. You do what he says. And next week, I'm going to get into reaping and sowing because the idea of giving actually is an investment to God. Amen? Amen? So, Jesus didn't give us a bunch of rules. He was like, hmm. You're gonna be led by the Spirit. God has told us to give me and Maddie personally different to each person every time. Every single time it's different because he wants relationship with you. And one of my favorite quotes is if you can start to hear God about finances, I promise you, you'll learn to hear God about everything else in your life. Amen? So, also I wanna say Let's not give to be seen. Let's not give and be generous so you can feel good about it. That's the whole, you're missing the whole heart of everything. I feel like the Lord gave me a quote, uh, something in my spirit. He said, true generosity is when I give to someone so that they can see how valuable they are to me. Not so they can see how valuable I am to them. You ever had somebody give you something, but they really, they really just want you to notice how great they are to you? I helped you, remember? I gave you this thing, remember? Hold on a second. I thought you were being generous towards me because you value me. When I give to my son, when I give to people, it's because how valuable you are to me, not because I'm trying to get you to see how great I am to you. Amen? Because ultimately, I'm just giving to receive. I'm giving out of insecurity. So let's not give to be seen. Let's not give. Let's, you know what I mean? Getting on Facebook. I'm giving somebody $100 right now. Praise God. Hey, I do all these things great in the city. The Bible says very clearly that what you do in secret, God will reward in public. And it goes on to say that if you want the glory, you can get the glory from people if you desire. But if you want God to get the glory, you got to do things without being seen. One of our biggest givers in the church in the past would give 
and never talked to us about it, no, nothing. It was just a check in the mail. Never even meet with nobody, never try to show up. Well, hey, you know, I got, here, I want to hand this to you personally. So, you know, I'm the man. <sighs> and I'm like, wow. You can receive your glory now. <laughs> but we don't do these things so people can see us. We want to give of a pure motives, amen? When I give good gifts to my kids, it's simply because I want them to see, man, how valuable I am to my dad. All right? That's what Jesus did. He gave of himself to show how valuable we were to him. Amen? And yes, he's valuable to us as well. Then he goes on to say as well at the end of that, give cheerfully. This is always one of my favorite parts in the service. We're like, who's ready to give? And like four people in the room are like, yeah. <laughs> That's how you know you're not giving cheerfully. You're giving reluctantly or you're not at all because you're offended and you're being skeptical about it, whatever. But you could tell, I would love to see that shift in our church. I would love to see us move to a place of cheerfulness. And then I started thinking, well, God, how do we grow in cheerful giving? And he said, Mike, when you give to the people you love, you give cheerfully. I love to bless my kids, especially my little ones, because they're just so kind, especially Redding. Redding is so excited about anything. We, were, we went on a trip to Nashville. We got out at a 7-Eleven, and Redding's like, wow, I love this place. <laughs> I'm like, this is, this is not, it's not the vacation, bro. We're going to a hotel. He's like, man, it's, wow, 7-Eleven. I love it. And I'm like, man, I, I love to bless him because, he, he, you know, he's so cheerful. He's like, it's so good, it's so fun to bless him. So how do we grow in giving cheerfully? We start to love what we're giving into. Yeah. You start, to, you start to value it. <laughs> you got to start to build some value for it. Amen? So when we say on Sunday, who's ready to give? <sighs> Can I, do I, all, have I always given cheerfully? No. <laughs> Not at all. Especially when God tells me to be generous on top of my giving sometimes, like he has recently. Hey, give this person this. Hey, pay for this. And I'm like, Lord, don't you know it's Christmas? Don't you know, God? <laughs> Which brings me to my next point. 2 Corinthians 8, 3 through 10. I got just a few more and we'll close up. <laughs> Shaba. <laughs> Glory to God. You don't believe in speaking in tongues. There it was. 2 Corinthians 8, 3 through 10. For I can testify that, that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it for their own free will. Love that part. They did it for what? Their own free will, voluntarily. It's a choice. You gotta make between you and the Lord. Amen? Amen. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, and your gifted speakers, and your knowledge, enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Now, I'm not just saying about getting rich, he's talking about how he saved you from your sin, amen? Here's my advice. 
It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. So the last two here, another way that the Bible tells us to give is sacrificially. So you notice at the beginning of that scripture, it said that they, they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. When God asks me to give money during Christmas time to someone else, it's sacrificial, amen? <laughs> I'm just telling you, it is. When God asks you, because sometimes he'll ask you to give something sacrificial that means a lot to you. How many of you know this is relative to each person? $100 to someone is a bigger sacrifice to others. I had a pastor tell me, I said, well, how do you know when it's a sacrifice? He's like, it hurts. I was like, dang, I didn't want to hear that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how do you know it's a sacrifice? It's going to hurt. You're going to second guess it. You're going to think twice. You're going to be like, I can't do that. But once again, what are you doing? Just do whatever God says. Simply put, just doing whatever he asks you to do. Recently, he's asked me to do some things, and it's like, Lord, man, that's a sacrifice right now. He's like, yes, it is. And once again, my life doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. Yes, Lord. Amen? So we give sacrificially at times. Um, we give not under manipulation or compulsion. We give cheerfully. We make a decision in our heart how to give. And last two here, notice how he says this. You're growing and excelling in so many ways. You're growing in faith. You're growing in speaking. You're growing in knowledge. You're growing in enthusiasm. Um, you're, you're growing in your love for us. Also grow in this. The reality is giving is something you grow up into. It's something you just grow into. Uh, cheerfully giving is something you grow into as well. It's something you start out maybe struggling with, but it's something God's saying, hey, grow up also in this, this gift, in this ministry. And some of you might be thinking, does the church really need money right now? We're struggling. No, it's just God has asked me to teach on this subject. And he's saying, hey, you're growing up in all these other ways. Also excel in this. And it also is encouraging because it's like, hey, you might not you might be struggling with it right now. You might not really trust God with a lot of things right now. This might be really difficult for you. And there's no shame coming from this pulpit or from the Lord this morning. There's just a, an opportunity to say, hey, you know what? Yes, you are where you are right now, but also I'm calling you higher. Amen? And what that really looks like, guys, is just simply learning to trust God more, which is something you're gonna do for the rest of your life. Amen? How many of you, you know, we're gonna keep growing forever until we go meet him. So he's saying grow also in this. Can we stand? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say casually, just do what God says. Say it's that simple. Can we get some keys? Prayer team, would you come down? One last thing before you go, guys. Paul ends this section of Scripture, if I could get your attention just for a moment. Paul ends this section of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 8 with comparatively saying, hey, you know how much grace we've received from Christ. You know what a gift we've received from God. Actually, the Bible would say, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He was saying, our motivation for giving is looking at how much Jesus has given. Simply put. 
So if you need to grow in this, he's basically saying grow in gratitude for what Jesus has given unto you. How many of you know Jesus paid a very high price? We, we sing songs about it. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. And Paul is wrapping up this scripture and reminding you there's no greater giver than Jesus himself. As we approach this Christmas season, we're, as we're trying in my house to figure out how to get our kids to correlate Christmas with Jesus, that Christmas is about giving. They definitely don't have it yet. They, they, they have a very clear picture of Christmas right now. It's Jesus' birthday, and we get a lot of gifts. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, but it's not, about, uh, <laughs> it's not about receiving, it's about giving. So right now I get to tell them what a joy it is for us as parents to give to you as Jesus gave to us. And this, this is not some manipulative thing. This is what Paul is saying. Look at the cross, look at how much you've received and just give voluntarily and out of gratitude. Amen? So can we just close our eyes for a moment? I just want whatever the Lord has for you on this message, whatever he's speaking to you, maybe this is something that you struggle with, it's something that you've been doing for years. Maybe you've been doing it out of requirement and, and it actually has no heart behind it at all. It's just like paying OMU. I believe God is inviting you to a deeper place of intimacy and relationship with him. Father, I just pray that you should speak to your people this morning. For the skeptics, for anyone else, God, that you would just minister to them, Lord. God, I thank you that you're melting old mindsets in this house, Lord, helping us to trust you and believe in you, God. And Father, we just declare right now, just breakthrough in finances over your people. Hmm. Hmm. Lord, I pray right now that you would help every person in this room be content with where they are. Completely content. No more complaining, no more murmuring about where we have, Jesus, and what we have. But Father, we just declare right now, every person in this room, God, we trust you. Can you just say that out loud? God, I trust you. Say it again. God, I trust you. Father, as the Father's house and the leaders of this house, God, we say we trust you, Lord in every area, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And I just wanna to speak to anyone in this room before we go, if you're here and you're like, man, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I need to be saved. I need to be born again. I've been struggling. I came here because I've been depressed. My mental health's all screwed up and I'm looking for hope. If that's you this morning, Jesus came. He died on the cross for you. He didn't just die to pay for your sin, but he also wants to come in and get, help you get rid of that depression and anxiety and all the bondage that you've been living in. If that's you and you just say, hey, I need to give my life to Jesus. I wanna have an opportunity for you to right now not to be ashamed, but if that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you are? I need to be saved. I see that, I see two more. Anybody else, I need to be saved. I need to give my heart to him. I see another hand, thank you, Jesus. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Anyone else, come keep your hand raised. I need to give my heart to him. I need to surrender all, keep your hand up. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah.
Hmm. Hmm. I thank you that the Bible says that once you make this decision from your heart to give it to him and to believe in him and to surrender your life to him, you instantly become the righteousness of God. You don't have to wait till you clean yourself up. God will work on cleaning you up. You come as you are, and he transforms you instantly into a son and daughter of the Most High King. So if you had your hand raised, I want you to pray with me out loud right now with boldness. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross, and you rose from the grave. I give you my life, all of it, the way I talk, the things I watch, my whole life belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, give it up for a few people in the room. Awesome. Hey, if that was you that raised your hand or maybe you're with somebody that raised their hand, please, before you go, come down for prayer. Our altars are open. If you need healing in your body, if you just need somebody to partner with you in prayer for anything at all, our prayer team is here to pray for you before you go. So if you raised your hand, please go to the welcome desk, get a new believer's book, come down front. We'd love to partner with you. If you're with somebody, take them to the welcome desk. One last thing, do me a favor, look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, do you need prayer? Say, I'll go with you. Amen and amen. Father, bless your people. Bless this day. In Jesus' name, amen. We put our hands together for Jesus one last time. Go Cowboys. We'll see you guys later. Don't forget the prayer. Have an awesome day. Altars are open. You're welcome to come.